Hi everybody, welcome to the Community Is Our Middle Name podcast, proudly brought to you by Grampians Community Health. My name is Gareth Olver, thanks for being with me again for another week. And this week on the show, we are talking about men's behaviour change, and I'm joined by Kelly and Bryony, who are the men's behaviour change facilitators at Grampians Community Health. And they explain what the men's behaviour change program actually is, because to be honest, I wasn't 100% sure until I sat down with Bryony and Kelly and, and had a chat with them about it. It's really interesting to hear not just the work they do, but also some of the outcomes that they have and and how they can affect not just the men involved in this program, but also their partners, their their extended families and, and how they can, you know, eventually that rolls into a, a benefit for our community in general. So really interesting to hear about. And I hope you guys learned something because I certainly learned a lot. This is the Community Is Our Middle Name podcast. It's proudly brought to you by Grampians Community Health and Grampians Community Health are here for you, your family and our community. I am joined this week by Kelly Langley and Bryony Milner, who are Men's Behaviour Change Facilitators here at Grampians Community Health. Kelly and Bryony, thank you so much for coming on to the Community Is Our Middle Name podcast. No worries Thank you. Kelly, I might start with you. Tell us a little bit about yourself and about how you got into this role working in Men's Behaviour Change. A little bit about me. Um, I've been around the traps for a while, so uh was originally a police officer in South Australia for 15 years, so obviously attended incidents relating to family violence in that in that role. Moved to Victoria and have worked in a variety of community service roles, including youth justice, working with young offenders, um, different wellbeing roles and training roles. Um how I came to be a men's behaviour change facilitator. Um, I guess I've always had an interest in working in the family violence arena. Um, and for me, I feel in, in this role that you can really make an impact in helping men to change their um, behaviours through awareness and education. Um, and that that then leads hopefully into uh, the reduction or, or preventing family violence in the home. Bryony, what about yourself? How did you get into this role? Hey, I've worked with um, GCH for the past 10 years, but i um, been in the welfare sector for about 13. So I started in uh, youth work, uh, working with resi care, so working with out-of-home care, so children that have been taken out of the home due to violence or neglect or whatever reasons the department sees fit. So I worked with the, uh, that and then got into the role of family violence case management within GCH as well. So unfortunately, with that, you're seeing the impact on both of those, on all of those people in those roles. The For me, changing the behaviour of the perpetrator is is something where it comes from. The greatest thing could happen. So I was lucky enough to go into this space and did my training and, and have been a facilitator of Men's Behaviour Change Program for the past eight plus years. Yeah, Bryony, I'll, I'll ask you this because you and I talked a little bit about this over email. I was a bit unsure what Men's Behaviour Change Program actually did and you you explained it's not necessarily for people dealing with anger issues, is it? No, there's many different um, different 
issues to do with an anger management program compared to what we do as a men's behaviour change program. With anger management, it tends to be geared towards perpetrators of non-intimate violence. Men's behaviour change is targeted and specially designed for men's use of violence towards family members, so partners or children. There's so many different things. The focus is um, we're not going to take away anger because everybody feels it. The behaviour that comes with it is what we need to work on. So, you know, there's a lot of things that contribute to anger. So there's a lot of underlying emotions that people feel, but they actually don't identify what they are and they can't name it. So we support people to actually do that in the way of behaviour, identifying where it comes from, triggers and those different types of things. So it's not specifically in anger management. Yes, we work on anger, but it's, again, specifically around the behaviour change aspect that needs to occur. And Kelly, what's the demand like for programs like this? Is it something you see there's a big need for in in uh, the part of the world that we live in? Uh, yes, yeah, certainly there is. Um, and I guess gentlemen can come to our program from a, from a whole range of different areas. So they can self-refer and, um, you know, it can be as simple as there's conflict in a marriage and a, a man would like to get some skills and tools around um, working with that conflict so that it doesn't escalate into a, a family violence situation. And, you know, other areas that we get referrals from are um, the courts, corrections, child protection, other services within the system. Certainly, the earlier that we can get someone referred to the program, then the better, you know, the greater awareness that you can have earlier on in your relationships, the more that you can implement into those relationships. So there certainly is a high demand. We get uh, certainly regular referrals and uh, up until recently, we were running four programs in this region and we certainly uh, could run a lot more, a lot more programs with the demand that's out there. So, um, there's no shortage of demand and it's just really getting it out there so that more people actually do self-refer to the program. You mentioned there, Kelly, as well, that you want to try and catch people before it escalates too much, which, you know, we, we have seen and we've spoken about on this podcast what can happen when, you know, family violence does escalate. For someone who might be attending the course, what could they expect? I'll let um, Bronnie answer that one. Yeah, so we, we do a, a program of a 20-week program. So GCH um, have taken lots of material from many different sources um, to implement the program that we run. So we run five different modules and, and they consist of four weeks in total in each. So first of all, we start with journey of self-discovery. If they're starting at the session one, they would actually, we start to work through some things around what's brought them here, what the definition of violence is, what their understanding of it is, uh, of abusive behaviours, and then starting to get into the timeout and, and what do they do if they're starting to feel angry or starting to feel agitated or there's a build-up of anything. Um, so we work on that. So it's really trying to unpack um, the emotions that are, are driving potentially their behaviour. Uh, then we go into the behaviour theories where we talk around the cycle of violence and power and control and those different types of things. We also refer to gender stereotypes as well and male privilege uh, that comes into play that still to this day is certainly relevant in some of the elements that we talk about. First and foremost, we start to then talk around our healthy relationship aspect. So what's a healthy relationship, the equality wheel? How do you work with your partner? How do you 
decide on how do you work things out. So, you know, communication comes into that. So setting boundaries also, um, what does that mean? Um, you know, education around that. And then we go into other contributing factors that also might be there for some people where drug and alcohol is involved, but still tailor it to family violence. So they're the subjects. And then obviously children. Uh, what about the children is the fifth module where it's really about the effects of psychological damage that's that happens to people that are witnessing and experiencing domestic violence. So certainly around that is that it's, it's a very broad, like we certainly talk about a lot of subjects, but it's an educational material as well as that self-identifying for participants as well. So that's what they look like. We do certain elements, we do educational material and that unpacking of certain things for the men. So when they start out, I imagine that it would be quite confronting for some of these guys to sit down and and almost have to look into that sort of metaphorical mirror. What's the response like generally from people when they start doing the program? Um, it, it can be difficult just in the assessment stage um, because we're asking some pretty in-depth questions around their behaviours, uh, historical use of violence, um, trying to determine their understanding of what their what they've been doing, also the impact that it's had on somebody. So they, that comes with a lot of guilt and a lot of shame, especially if they're being have been sent here from the courts, for example. But we have to, again, reassure them that when we're here to support them for change. We're not here to pass more judgment on them. Um, it's about they hold their own shame when it comes to that. So unfortunately, what can also tend to happen, Gareth, is that as soon as somebody goes into the group, sometimes they can actually revert back to denying and, and blaming of the reasons why they're in the room. So for us as facilitators, we bring it back to exactly why they're assessed what has been found out in that assessment, and then we actually go back to that also and talk them through that because the more that they focus on other people's behaviour towards them, they're losing track of the actions that they're doing towards other people, and that's what we want to focus on. Kelly, uh, this happens in a group setting, um, as Bryony just mentioned. So what are the benefits for the, the people who attend the Men's Behaviour Change Program of doing it in a group setting as opposed to, say, you know, sitting down with you guys one-to-one? Yeah, look, in a group setting, what what we find and, and I guess research shows us is the therapeutic focus of other people in the group. So it can be a number of things. It can be, um, I guess, other people are experiencing similar things. Um, you're learning from the other blokes in the group, different strategies, different tools, um, you have a level of empathy and support. Um, for example, we have one bloke in the, in one of the groups that calls it his men's club. For him, it's, it's, it's a place where he can come and it's, it's not about anyone colluding with his behavior. It's about feeling supported and, um, feeling like they're not alone because of that shame and guilt that can be held with it. it it's really about, learning from each other and uh, we do find that people will take on what another participant says far more than what we can provide given you know it's like a lived experience thing in terms of providing that testimony that knowledge and strategies that's worked for each different participant in different situations um yeah, so we we find the group setting is really invaluable. There are occasions where we will do individual sessions in specific cases, but certainly the group setting has a lot more power to it than an individual session, I feel. I guess no one wants to sort of feel like they're the only one, do they? No one mm. ever wants to feel left out. And doing it in that, in that group setting just goes to show, look, you may be having these issues, but you're not alone. There's other, other mm. guys who are 
who are doing the same thing. I can see absolutely how that would be beneficial. So, Bronnie, what sort of stuff might people learn from you guys when they come in to do a session with yourself and Kelly? What, what do, you, do you think that they will be coming away from the sessions with? Well, what, what we ask all participants to do is reflect on what they've heard in our session. So our educational material is specific to a subject that we're doing. Certainly they're aware of that, but it's really about how they, what they take away from that. Can they see, is it relevant to them? Can they see where that change can occur? Can they see the, I guess, what can happen for a relationship if they're doing these things? So they can take away lots of different strategies and tools in the conversations that we have with people that they can utilise in their interactions with people. Um, they can learn how to communicate. We talk about one of our specific subjects we spend a couple of weeks on communication is to be able to then articulate uh, using I statements, uh, their feelings, those different types of things so that can actually de-escalate a situation that's also happening or just learn to communicate in a way that's in an environment, in a group setting as well, in front of people that they potentially haven't been able to do and they bottle things up and then unfortunately that, that explodes into a usually a, an explosion or an event happens where that loss of control is there. Um, so, you know, certainly for us is they can expect to educational materials to then hopefully reflect on it because, again, I have to say hopefully because it's up to the participant to actually take it on board. Uh, we won't tell them what they need to do because we can't do that because it's more beneficial for them to identify it from what we talk about, um, and that's what our questioning is also tailored to, to tailored towards, for them to identify things in themselves that's relevant to them because that's who needs to change. Yeah, absolutely. And Kelly, it's not necessarily for people who are at that real point of crisis either, is it? It's, it's, it's also there for people who may be starting to think, oh, you know, I'm not traveling too well here and I'm having some issues with my relationship. Do you have people from right across that spectrum come in? Yeah, absolutely. And from such a diverse range of age, range, socioeconomic classes, there's, there's no typical participant. Um, and I think that that's the most surprising thing to people when, uh, when we have observers come in to view our program. I think they, they come with a preconceived idea of what a men's behavior change program might look like or what the participants might look like. There's, there's no such thing as a typical participant. You know, it is men, men from all walks of life um, that come into our program and men from all different experiences. And, yeah, as, as I said before, um, it can be as simple as having some conflict in your relationship or things are starting to go a little bit pear-shaped or you've never learnt how to express your emotions or to communicate effectively with your partner and that can lead to that conflict in your relationship. So, um, yeah, we, we do get people from, from everywhere. And, and I think that that's the value of it is that you do get people from different walks of life with different experiences that come together to learn from each other. Um, so that, you know, certainly high value in that. Is there a moment, and I, I don't mind whether you answer Brian or Kelly, where you're doing these programs and you can just see something click in the participant's mind. They're like, okay, now I finally get it, that light bulb yeah. moment. Yeah, yeah, definitely. definitely. Yeah, there's been many instances where that has occurred. And, and a lot of the times it can actually, in that group environment, is a benefit 
to actually get that to happen also because sometimes some of the men do show us aggression or they do show us a behaviour of where they're, you can see what's happening for them at the same time. But rather than we actually let that go for a little while and then actually ask them what's happening for you right now. So there's certain things in there that's, that they take away. And then if you've got another participant willing to actually challenge that person also or talk about their observations, they actually, it, it's very powerful. And then it's the realization. I've had many times where one participant is actually that comes to mind straight away is that we did the effects on, um, uh, like an angry man, I think it was called. And he actually, at the end of it, he actually cried at the end of it. And he actually said, I have actually just realized that I'm actually my father. So he's in his experiences that he had, he didn't actually connect his and his behavior is very similar to that. And it was just the realization of, well, I don't want to be like that. Um, I'm really, and he actually plugged in from that moment. So, you know, there's lots of different opportunities that we have and to see that in our program. And, and it's, and it's very powerful when it happens. And one that really comes to mind for me is a gentleman been married for nearly 40 years and has probably been doing his behavior for 40 years in his marriage and came to us as a result of an incident um, and we were doing some education around the power and control wheel which kind of indicates what an unhealthy relationship can be where one party has more power in the relationship than the other um, and we go and we go through that power and control wheel and at the end of it it was like this big light bulb moment for him where he was kind of identifying every single one of the behaviours on the power and control wheel, he finally had this realisation that that's what he does. And Mm -hmm. from that moment on, we saw a a guy that was very defensive and really switch gears and and really take on ownership of his behaviour and how he could change it and how he could communicate better with his wife. And, yeah, their, their marriage survived it and he was able to take away a lot of information after he got that light bulb moment. So, Kelly, do you find, just because that that fascinates me, that story, do you find that it takes a bit longer for perhaps people from older generations to come to that realisation because of the era that they grew up in? I wouldn't say it took him longer to get it. I think it will take him longer to change the behaviour because you've got those long-term ingrained behaviours that become automatic. So um, he now has the awareness and is able to apply new new ways of doing things. But like for everyone, it's you know no different if you go on a diet or an exercise plan. Under stress, we'll revert back to our known behaviours. So for him, it will be a continued practice of applying that new information in his life to make it become a habit. So I would say that it doesn't necessarily take them longer to get it, but to change those behaviours and keep them in place might take a little bit longer. Yeah, because that was where I was sort of coming from was, you know, you think of like, I think of someone of, of my father's generation, they grew up with different gender roles than what mm. you know, than what I did and what my kids will. Uh, yeah. So that, that's why well, I was asking the question. So I was really interested to hear mm. the, the response on that. Bryony, what are some of the, the best outcomes that you've seen in your time doing this program? I know that's a, that's a pretty big question to ask because yeah. you've probably seen quite a few. I have. I have seen a lot. Um, you know, unfortunately, some of the, you tend to, to know who you're going to see again. 
um, by the, you know, as they're going through the program. You tend to see situations in, in participants where, you know, they're getting elements of it, but they're not applying it. They're not actually applying that um, that change. So uh, one comes to mind for me particularly. Um, he presented to us again uh, with no um, no orders, no orders from court to actually attend our program. However, he um, had spent 22 years of his life in prison. And the last time he, he was inside, for all different matters, um, but for the last time that he was inside, he made a decision for himself that he wanted to change. And he had heard about this program somewhere and he gave us a call. Um, that was four years ago, um, and he hasn't been in trouble with the law since. Um, he came through our program, and he made a commitment to attend the program again. So he wanted, he did the first 22, sorry, the 20, no, he did 22 weeks, uh, and then he actually wanted to continue as well. But unfortunately, health issues stopped that. But he made a commitment because he knew that he got so much out of it, and he wanted to. But he actually hasn't been in trouble with the law since because he implemented some changes that were a lifelong thing that he'd been using. And had got himself into trouble a lot. And the change came down to him. So, um, you know, some, there's some real success stories. There's ones even just around that realisation of where they were taking things personally. So that for me, that's more valuable in, you know, yes, one comes to mind particularly for me, but that they all do. They all have that um, when there's a success or when there's a, a moment that they get to of that change and that realisation that, they are impacted and they are responsible for their behaviour, then that for me is the most valuable aspect of it because it's solely up to them to make the changes. But at the same time, that recognition that they find is so valuable for anyone to make changes moving forward. So I've seen many and I could probably reel off like heaps, but, um, you know, there's certainly that's one in particular that I can certainly think about straight away that had a massive impact and a loss in his life of time. Uh, realising the appreciation of that time now and working through things to try and ensure that he doesn't find himself back in that prison cell, uh, which is huge. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Kelly, stories like that and the ones, the one that you told as well about the, the, the man who'd been married for 40 plus years, it must, you guys must go home at night and think, I'm, I'm making a real difference and potentially I've saved someone from hospitalisation or worse. Mm, absolutely. And I guess that's why both Brian and I do the job that we do. It's, it is really rewarding. And it, you know, it's, it's very few men that come into the program that we do get that you think, oh, they're never going to get it. You know, the large proportion of men that come into the program are there because they want to be there. They're motivated to change. And I don't think any man wants to, intentionally behave in a way that is abusive towards their partner or their children. I don't I don't think that's a desire that any person really does have and it's through that awareness and education that they're able to make that change. So it is it's very rewarding to be able to see that change and be be part of that change and helping helping men to identify where they need to change. Absolutely. So, Bryony, for anyone out there listening who thinks this could be something that might help me, how do people go about getting in touch and seeing you guys and, and becoming part of the program? Yeah, well, certainly we would hope that people would be proactive in this rather than waiting to an incident to occur before police are involved or court. So uh, they can actually contact GCH on 5358700, um, speak with the intake worker. Um, speak with their what their, what's going on for them as well. Obviously, they'll touch base with, um, you know, they'll identify the different programs. But if anyone wants to engage in the Men's Behaviour Change Program, that's the way to do it. 
um, contact our intake number, talk about uh, that you want to engage in the program. Um, what happens from there, uh, Gareth, is that we actually receive uh, an allocation to us and then we have to do an assessment process. In that it's not everyone is suitable from our program. So anyone that's sort of, um, you know, we determine whether they're suitable for our program due to willingness um, to disclose willingness to work on it. And obviously, if our program content can develop that insight that we hope that it does. So we're looking at, so they have to go through that assessment process before they come in. So, but first and foremost, it's through our intake uh, on that number, 53587400 and uh, refer to our program. And then the ball starts rolling for that. Um, once people are assessed as suitable, they are put into a group and usually that happens quite quickly. Um, and um, basically, uh, they will then commence within the, the time frame. We, we do have time frames following our standards of when participants are supposed to start after assessment as well. So there's lots of things that we have to follow, but they can certainly touch base with us with any questions around it. Even service providers can contact us around participants or um, clients that they might have that they think should benefit from this. Uh, and we can have a con secondary consultation at different times as well around that as well. See if it, our program is suitable. So Kelly, if someone's in your program and they're maybe looking to do something else, maybe some counselling or something, can you and Bryony then refer them on to other services, not necessarily within Grampians Community Health, um, but other services that, that, that these, these gentlemen might be after? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, a big part of that often comes in the assessment process where we are able to identify, you know, there might be other, other factors that are impacting on them, whether it's drug and alcohol, housing, uh, mental health, um, there's a whole range of things that might be impacting on them that we can do referrals for. Um, both Bryony and I have a fairly good understanding of the service system and who to refer to. Um, so, yeah, it's basically gaining their consent to assist with that referral um, and and advising them of what services are out there and available. We might also, parenting programs is another thing that we can link participants into um, that they find very helpful. A lot of participants are very motivated by their children. You know, they, they want to have a, re a healthy relationship with their children. Um, so, you know, we can certainly link them into um, services that can assist around that side of things as well. Excellent. And, Bryony, before we, we finish up, I'm going to ask both of you this question. What's the one takeaway? What's the one thing that you'd really like people listening to take away from this this podcast? Um, and what yep. final message would you like to get out? Um, uh, just before we go to that question, I just want to also uh, reiterate around our partner contact role as well. Um, so yeah, we have for. a family safety contact uh, worker. Um, we're currently recruiting for that at the moment, but in our program, we also support the women and children that are connected to the participant. Um, so they could be an ex-partner, they could be a current partner. We touch base with them. It's solely voluntary as well, but again, provide support services to them if they require it as well. And it's really about collecting um, information from both parts of the relationship because what he perceives is what the relationship might have been. And then we also get the other side as well about what they've experienced as well. So that also holds a lot of weight for us in 
being more informed around what the circumstances are for everybody. Um, of course, we protect her safety by non-disclosure of that. Um, we've got techniques that we use in the, in that role also to to make sure that that safety is there. So, um, you know, but that's a, an element of our men's behaviour change program that we didn't discuss a little bit earlier as well. So, um, can you repeat the question because I forgot it after I've gone on to that. <laughs> no, 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 that, that's fine. That was really important, yeah. actually. Yeah. What, what you mentioned, yeah. I was just. To say uh, any any take home messages for any people listening uh, who might be thinking that this could be something that could help them. Yeah, I guess it's um it's not always going to be a behaviour that it has to be aggressive or abusive that can change to make a difference. Um, some of them just being able to open up a little bit more, uh, to be able to have the tools in place to to be able to communicate in a better way, uh, to be able to listen rather than cut people off and think that you know where they're going and that causes frustration for the other person which can cause the conflict between people. So for us it's it's it, we don't support men to be abusive, we actually support men to change. And that's what, you know, the some of the yeah, some of the misconceptions sometimes around what this program is about um influences I guess the perception of what we do. And but you know, certainly around where we are motivators for change and that we educate people around that and and that's what I hope people understand of what this program is about. Um, that we can support people to make changes to support and create safety for women and children in their lives as well as safety for themselves. So yeah, I just hope to our having a conversation today about that certainly will educate some people around that and what we offer um, because it's a very valuable program to making change for the next generation also. It's um, healthy relationships is what it's all about and how you participate in that is very important. Well, hopefully we've been able to bust some of those misconceptions um, in this, this chat today. Let's um, Kelly, I'll, I'll put that same question to you. What's the, the takeaway mm-hmm. message you'd like people listening to to come away with? Yeah, I think for me, I mean, uh, I think Bryony would agree with me that we wish there was a behaviour change program for everyone, regardless of their gender, um, because it's about relationships and it's about how we function in relationships. And unfortunately, it, it is a specific men's behaviour change program, but there are a lot of benefits to that in terms of it being a male-only program, those things that I mentioned before around that connectedness that men can also develop in coming to the program. So I think the message from, that I'd like to get across is that um, if you want to develop some tools and skills in your relationship, if you want to learn how to relate better with your partner, with your children, if you want to know what a healthy relationship could look like, then our program's for you, basically. Mm-hmm. So, you know, have a chat with us. Either ring intake, have a chat with us and find out a little bit more to see if it's a fit for you. It's a funded program, so there's no no cost uh, associated to the participant. And, yes, it's a commitment of 20 weeks, but it might be the best 20 weeks that you've spent in investing in your relationships. Absolutely, and uh, for more information as well, if there's plenty of information here today, but gch.org.au, and you can find more information on our website around the Men's Behaviour Change Program. And uh, like you said, Kelly, it, it is a Men's Behaviour Change Program, and sadly, you know, the majority of perpetrators of family violence are men. But it's a, it's, I think it's good for us all to sit down and have a bit of a look in the mirror sometimes, and and think what could we be doing better in our lives, and, and as mm. as people. But um, 
Thank you both for coming on the podcast and taking some time out. Um, had a few technical issues earlier on. I'm just going to pull the curtain back there. So thanks for putting up with that. And um, yeah, thanks for coming on and having a chat. No worries. Appreciate right. it. Thank Thanks, you. Sarah. Once again, big thank you to Bryony and Kelly for giving up some of their very precious time to have a chat to myself on the Men's Behaviour Change Program. And it's a very important program, not just for the for the men involved, but also for their families and uh, for communities in general as well. And uh, said, uh, give us a call if you're looking for information and we'll give you that number in just a second. Of course, this podcast is brought to you by Grampians Community Health. Grampians Community Health offers a wide range of services right across Western Victoria, servicing the following local government areas. Northern Grampians Shire, our rural city, Horsham Rural City, West Wimmera Shire, Hindmar Shire, Yarriambiak Shire, Bullock Shire, Southern Grampian Shire, Pyrenees Shire and Central Goldfield Shire Council regions. So that's a fair chunk of North and Northwest Victoria that we uh, that we cover. Services available include alcohol and other drug support, carer support, family violence assistance, aged care and NDIS support, including NDIS support coordination and plan management and home care package case management for aged care uh, people, mental health support, Counselling services across a wide range, including generalist counselling, much, much more. For more information, go to our website, gch.org.au, or give us a call, 53587400, Mondays to Fridays, business hours, or drop in and see us at one of our offices in Ararat, Stall or Horsham. You can follow Grampians Community Health on Facebook, facebook.com slash Grampians Community Health, or just search for Grampians Community Health on Facebook. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter as well, at GCH Grampians is the handle there. And we're also on YouTube as well. So do a bit of a search for Grampians Community Health on YouTube and you'll find us. And uh, if you follow us on all those platforms, you're not going to miss anything we're putting out, which is which is good because um, we want to get our message out there to as many people as possible. This podcast and every other episode, the other, I think, 41 episodes that we've done, are available on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, on Podbean, iHeartRadio, Audible by Amazon, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, anywhere you find your podcasts, subscribe and they will get downloaded directly to your favourite listening device. So you can listen to them at your leisure, which is a beautiful thing. The intro and outro music is an original composition for this podcast by Mr. Andrew Parsons, and we use that with his permission. So thank you for that, Andrew. And, of course, we would like to pay our respects to the traditional owners of the land upon which this podcast was recorded and produced, the Jabberwong people. And we pay our respects to elders past, present and emerging. That's it for this week. I hope you enjoyed this discussion about the Men's Behaviour Change Program. My name's Gareth Oliver. Thank you once again uh, for, for joining me this week. And uh, I said... Uh, like and subscribe to the podcast and you'll never miss an episode because we've got some uh, some more good stuff coming up very shortly. So, so stay with us. So, uh, on behalf of Grampians Community Health, I will say so long. And don't forget that Grampians Community Health is here for you, your family, and most importantly to us, our community. So long.